Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning and welcome to the last morning together. This is always a interesting time because for me, it, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were like, it's, as you head into the last days, you just want to hold it and you don't want to leave. And I, I was thinking of um, my kids and as they're, they were campers here and then now they're counselors and deans and things like that and how they just um, want to hold on to it too. Like you just hear all the kids like, I just, I don't want it to end, I don't want it to end, but we have to go out into the big world because that is where the work is to be done, right? We can come here, get refueled, um, and go out and do the things that God has called us to do. I have a couple announcements before we dive in this morning. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of Jennifer's because I haven't said this. My um, future daughter-in-law and son were out here last week um, working in basketball camp, and she left her backpack here as well. And it is a, the, un, called, it's a North Face. It's like a really dull pink grayish. It has her engagement ring in it. And we are praying this thing. They, they saw it all the way up to checkout day at 3.30. They saw it out by the youth center. They were doing a video, and it just it's sitting in a chair behind the video. And so it's like 3.31. It's right there. And then a half hour later when they're leaving, it's not. So I, and most of the campers were gone. And so we are searching, and we're thinking maybe this is somewhere. Maybe somebody grabbed it and dropped it somewhere while they got caught up doing something. So if you see that, um, please let me know. And Liz also has um, her eyes open, and you can take it to the office if that's easier, of course, as well. Um, oh, we, I've been, yeah, we've been checking the office lots, and my son and future daughter-in-law been probably bugging more than they want to be bugged about it. Um, so that's where we're at with that. Um, so a couple more announcements. Over here, some of you have seen the books and said, oh, did her book come in? That, the book that's over here is a combination. It's called an anthology, so it has several different authors in it of prayers and devotions and um, things like that. So it's a cool book. Mine, it, I have one devotion in there, and so I was part of that anthology. That is not the book that I've been speaking about. That's the full devotion book of mine. And so that did not come in miraculously last night, but if you would like this book over here, um, you're welcome to see Missy about that. We will be doing a drawing right after I finish today um, for that basket over there that has some goodies in it as well as a couple other books. And so if you don't have your name in that drawing, Missy has that and she can just give you a card and you can throw it in at the end. She's back there passing out some cards. And um, I also just wanted to let you know it has been such a pleasure and honor to be here this week. Um, very exciting to hear and just walk through the day and hear some of your stories and pray with some of you. And so thank you for giving me the, the privilege of doing that and of letting me in on some of your life as well. Um, I am an author and a speaker, so if you are putting on an event at your church or community or anything like that, a marriage retreat, Todd and I do marriage retreats, um, and so anything like that, I'd be honored to speak at your event, and my contact information is at the bottom of all the papers that you've been getting. So with that said, um, I'm going to pray again, and we're going to dive right into a big, fast review. 
of the week before we hit today's topic. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able to gather here this morning. We thank you that even though there have been some tents that have been blown down and some trees that have fallen last night, that you have kept us safe in your arms, that we have a camp full of people that just, um, I just couldn't believe it. The storm was barely done, and there's the sounds of chainsaws and uh, vehicles going around and loading up and raking, and it was just a real testimony um, of your people. And I thank you that this place is filled with people who love you and are here to serve others. And we just give you this uh, last time together this morning, and we ask for your blessing upon it. We ask that the words that I speak tonight, today, this morning, would not be my words, but they would be your words that these would not be stories of my life that they just remember because um, it was a cool story, but that they would remember these things because they're your story, uh, because they're stories of your redemption and your love and your forgiveness. And that is the key. Lord, without you woven through our stories, they're meaningless. But when you're in the midst of them, that's where they have power. And so, Lord, use each one of our stories in that way. Um, allow us to go about our day and just be part of your story. Uh, we love you so much and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, if you would take out your handout, we are going to go through these. Um, you don't have to write them as fast as I'm going to say them. You can write them later however you want to. But um, here we go. Psalm 139 teaches us we were created and for a purpose, thank you, on purpose and for a purpose. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, it teaches us that our top priority was to what? God and others. Yes, to love God and love others. And we were reminded that he will use our what for his, our pain for his purposes, always. We don't always see that. And sometimes it takes a long time to get through that process, but he will use our pain for his purposes. And when we think, when we want to question like Moses did, we are reminded that God what? That's right, he equips the unequipped. Now this one, does anybody write this down? Because I forgot to jot in my thing here. Do you remember this one? This was Matthew 5 in the message. Your what, when you're at the end of your rope, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. We don't like that. Oh, my goodness. With less of, yeah, with less of me, there is more of God. So sometimes it takes us getting to the very end of our rope, but that is when God shows up big time. Some of God's purposes are blank, and other purposes he is doing within our and what this one, I didn't say it exactly like this, but what this, this one is, is some of God's purposes are outward. They're the things that he wants us to do, you know, going and, and helping. Some of those stories I told you on Monday and Tuesday about the paying for somebody's meal and the flower garden and those kind of things. And then other things, it's what he's doing in our hearts. It's the things I talked about yesterday with um, the forgiveness and the... Um, 
Oh, is that what you were going to do? I was just glanced over there. I'm like, I can't see those people. So good, we're on the same track. All right, so that's what it is. Some, we have to keep our eyes open for both the outward things to do and the work he wants to do on our inside, which is more of what we're going to talk about today. Um, and our purposes are wrapped up in what? What kind of moments? Oh, did I skip one? When we trust God, we are free to say whatever needs to be said and free enough to go wherever we need to go. So we need to, um, again, the message is just a cool, the message isn't a translation, it's a paraphrase. And there's a little difference, I'm not going to go into the whole thing of that, but you can um, look into that. But the message is a really cool Bible to be able to um, look at if you want something that's just like straight up, really everyday language, um, tell you like it is kind of thing. And, of course, our purposes are wrapped up in everyday moments, which is where we've been going for this whole week. So today, I'm going to continue and tell you a little bit more about the stories of my pregnancy and our journey in that. Um, but these today are really some heart issues. And so when I'm talking about the the purpose the first few days and finding those things and being on the watch for these everyday moments. Um, today, we're going to continue. Yesterday was on some forgiveness. Today is again on some forgiveness, um, but reminding us that we, we can't fully be engaged with the purposes of God if we don't have our heart space in the right place. And so that's what we're going to talk on today. So, in growing up and in high school, I was the oldest uh, child in our family. I was what people might say as the typical firstborn personality. I just I kept things together pretty well. I stayed under the radar as far as um, getting into trouble and that kind of thing. By high school, I had come out of that um, junior high shell that you kind of, um, I was telling you a little bit about the first few days where I was just really shy and kind of intimidated. Um, by the end of my high school, I was pretty confident in who I was. I was uh, a Christian, and I had a good relationship with Jesus, and I was, like, really um, proud. And so that, that is, if you don't know, pride is a sin. But I was, I was proud of the fact that I was in the... In high school, I was the one that I, I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't um, cheating or lying. And at home, I was like the, the big sister that kept things all going on track and would kind of, you know, keep the family in motion and things like that. And people just looked at me that way. And so I felt like I was on this pedestal. I didn't always like being on the pedestal, but I felt like... Um, if there's something going on in the friend group or, oh, we got ourselves in trouble or, you know, we're going to this thing but we can't uh, drive home, Misty is there. We got to watch Misty's example. We're not going to really live totally by Misty's example all the time, but we're going to, we know what her example is and we know why. Super involved in youth group, loved youth group, went on all the trips and was a Bible reading person in high school and college and so had all of those things um, 
that were just important to me. I loved family, I, I loved God, I loved my friends, and that last part of high school um, was a good, a, a good time for me. And that all kind of came crashing down. I, I went to college as a freshman with my head held high, and I was like, let's see what God's going to do. And it was that fall, I'm, I'm on the tennis team, I got a boyfriend who's in the dorm across the way there, and that was him, if you, if you haven't been here a while, he, he was a boyfriend. And, and I was like, this is going to be a good year, here we go, let's see what God has in mind. And so I would walk into my classes, and I was very confident, and was um, just excited about life. And within that first few months, there was this down slide, and you know the story. So I got pregnant, and so by February of my freshman year, I was pregnant. And I'm not saying this is how it was, but this is how it, it felt. And my parents are here today, so I don't, they would know a little better how it actually was. But in my mind, it felt like when people found out that Misty was pregnant, it was like, you know when you watch those movies and something happens and the whole, the whole room at once is kind of like, <gasps> you know, like just this, this gasp in, in unison. And that's what I felt like every time somebody found out that I was pregnant. I felt like there was like this inside gasp, like, <gasps> but, but her, I mean, did you know that, like, she, did she ever do anything wrong? I don't know if she ever made any bad decisions I you know so that was my my perspective and so I went from being this confident young lady um, and walking in you know to these classes and stuff confident to being pregnant and just going into a shell and just want, walking into classrooms instead of looking up and around the room I would look down and just praying that I could disappear but knowing that I couldn't. And I would just, instead of greeting the people around me at, in class, I would just go and I would sit down. I remember uh, one particular time, it was even after we had gotten married, um, but there's not a lot of pregnant 18-year-olds on, on the campus and in, these cl in my classes. And so we had gotten married, I was starting to show, and I just remember um, going into a class and not talking to anybody the entire semester. I was taking a summer class so I could keep my classes going. And I just remember the Monday after we got married, I was back in class. He had been back in work on that Sunday night and walking in there and just sitting down and starting to listen to the teacher. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got married two days ago and nobody knew. Nobody had a clue, nobody asked, um, but I wasn't confident enough. I didn't walk in there with the confidence of Jesus anymore. I was hammering myself with um, all kinds of negative things that we had on, on the board here. So I spoke about um, God making purpose from that, the pain in that stage of my life earlier in this week, and the purpose that um, how his purposes and how good came out of that whole situation. But um, that was a process, okay? Sometimes we don't see the full 
picture of, of what happens. And that was something that when I shared the other day, and I was like, yeah, and here he is, and we're in full-time ministry, none of that stuff happened overnight, right? There's a whole lot of emotions and things that, that go through that process. And when we spoke about Ruth and Naomi, it was, we talked about, I mean, their incredible pain, but that God was walking them through that. They, they never did find out, right? They didn't know that um, this blessing that they were, they were used for the lineage of Jesus by the baby that they had during that time. Um, so sometimes we just don't know what, what is going to come out of um, our difficult situations and how God is going to use that. So today I want to share a little bit more about um, just the heart things that were going on. See, I was raised in a Christian home, and I loved Jesus, I lived for Jesus, but then my very private sin became a very visible sin. It wasn't something that I could hide anymore, and that just really rocked my spiritual world. I had learned growing up that Jesus loved me like crazy. And I accepted that. I was like, Jesus does. Jesus does still love me. And I had learned that Jesus forgives, that he can forgive anything. And I had learned to take in and accept that forgiveness. But what I didn't learn what I couldn't grasp during this time was how to forgive myself. I just couldn't make it through that. I felt too unworthy. I felt like I had let a bunch of people down. I felt I had let myself down. I felt like I was no longer an example to anyone else. I could no longer be used to reach my friends for Jesus. I mean, who would listen to an unwed pregnant teenager talk about Jesus? Those are the kind of things that were going on in my mind. So I beat myself up, and I hung my head. And I just could not free myself from that condemnation that just loomed over me. I felt like I didn't deserve anymore to be used by God. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Has there ever been anything in your life that you have just allowed Satan to just hammer you on and not let go of? I'm seeing some uh, shaking of the head. Sometimes there's some things in our life that it's just like, I know Jesus, thank you Jesus for forgiving me and thank you other people for forgiving me and we don't even acknowledge that, that in there we're just like, I got to keep holding on to this. I just, I just can't forgive this. We don't extend the same grace to ourselves as what we allow God to extend to us. We don't even extend the same grace to ourselves as what we take from other people. We allow other people to say, yes, it's okay, you're forgiven, and we still don't do that for ourselves. And yet God wants to free us from that self-condemnation. He doesn't want us walking around like that. Satan wants, us, wants to keep us focused on our past and our mistakes. And God wants to use our past and our mistakes. And Satan wants to use our past to weigh us down, to keep our heads down, making us ineffective for the kingdom. 
And God says, lift your head. Allow me to free you from that so that you can be effective for my kingdom. There was that quote. Did you have that written down, Dee Dee, that was like that? That Satan calls us. Who Does anybody have that? Because I was like, yesterday I said, I didn't write that down, but that fits perfect right here. Satan knows our name. Thank you. Satan knows our name and calls us by our sin. And God knows our sin but calls us by our name. And that is what we need to remember. Satan is constantly trying to put those lies on us and have us carry those around. And God's like, no. I see you. I see you, Misty. I see you. Be free of this because I have forgiven you. Your sin might not be as outward as mine. My, that particular sin of mine was a very visible one. But I want you to think for a minute. Um, is there any area in your life where you are believing the lies that Satan is saying about you? Because if you're believing a lie that Satan is saying about you, that in itself is a sin. And we don't like to think of it that way. We just It's almost like a prideful thing. I don't deserve it, so I got to hold on to this. That is, a, that is a sinful mindset. God does not want that in us. So is there anything in your life that you're believing the lies of Satan? And if there is, get rid of it. You've got to just let that go. Are you believing the lie that you're not a good enough parent? Maybe you have little ones running around and you're comparing yourself to somebody else's family who looks just perfect, who actually isn't either, and you're believing the lie that you're not good enough. Maybe your kids are grown and some of them have gone off track and you're like, I did my best. I thought I raised them in a Christian home and look at they're over here. What did I do wrong? And you're beating yourself on that. Let that go. God does not want you walking around with that. Are you allowing should-haves to just take over your heart? Those are things that, oh, they, they get in there and they just kind of make their way in, the, in our hearts and they stick in there and we just keep saying, I should have done it this way. I should have done it that way. I should have done this with my marriage. I should have done that with my children. I should have made a different decision on my job. Stop. We need to stop that. That is hindering our relationship with Jesus, and we are not as able to hear his purpose for our life as clearly when we have those blockages. It's like we're looking through a cloudy film when we have that stuff. We're not able to see clearly to the other side of what he desires for us. And we talked about yesterday, are you holding on to any unforgiveness? Is there anybody who's holding on to unforgiveness of yourself, like I was, or of somebody else? Because again, that puts this cloud in front of us. It, it puts this distance between us and God where we're not able to quite grasp the purpose of things as clearly and as effectively because we have this 
thing in between, this unforgiveness in between. Yesterday, I think it was Dawn who came up to me. Um, they're not up here any, anymore, but remember those lies that we had filling this, this thing here. And we believe those lies and we allow them to attach themselves to us. There's, there's things like unworthy and what were some of the things that were up here that we had that were negative things? Fear, unworthiness, what else? Inadequacy, what else? What? Oh, the one I couldn't say, the I word? <laughs> the I word. <laughs> so there were all these different um, things up here that were, that the, when we had the negative things up here about the fear and the doubt and unworthy and all these things that Satan is trying to tell us, and Dawn came up and we were talking about this, and she said, having these things, allowing these things um, to settle in us is a sin in and of itself, right? When we are carrying those things around, we're saying that we don't need God, we're not going to allow God to get rid of these things. That, that, that in itself is a sin, and we don't normally say that. We don't say, I'm feeling insecure and I'm feeling unworthy. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord, that, forgive me for that. That's a, a sin. We don't normally acknowledge it like that, but it is because he doesn't want us that way. He wants to free us from that, and so it's very important that we allow him to do that. I'm going to read the scripture for today is... John 8, 1 through 11. And this is the woman caught in adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we are to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote down in the dust with, in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want us to go back in time and to think about this situation. These people are trying to get Jesus riled up, trying to trip him up, and so they have this woman that they drag out and they bring her and they just throw her down. And they're making an example of her and they're saying, Jesus, you know the law, and the law says we get to stone her. What do you say about this, Jesus? Here's this woman. I mean, I just want you to, to visualize this woman in the middle. She knows. She knows what the law says. She is in the middle of that circle 
of men who are standing around her with stones. And she is cowering. She's probably covering her head. She's probably down on the ground, preparing for these stones to be thrown at her. They're like, Jesus, come on, give us an answer. And he just gets down and he's writing in the sand as they're picking up stones. You can imagine the mob of them just like, come on, and the adrenaline, like when you go to a concert or you go to something where they get the mob mentality and there's just these men that are just like, come on, Jesus, what answer do you have? Because we know what the law says and we're ready to do what the law says. And this woman is listening to all this. So they question Jesus again. And they ju he just says, whichever of you is without sin, throw the first stone. So here's this woman in the middle, cowering, getting prepared to be hit with these stones. And Jesus says those words, and then he just steps back and he writes again in the sand. And instead of the screaming, and instead of the pounding and the, all of the excitement, this woman is suddenly hearing hearing the stones drop and drop and drop. And she's hearing shuffles leaving in the sand. And then when she has enough nerve, she picks up her head and she looks around. And there's nobody there except one person, one left standing, Jesus. And he says to her, woman, where did they all go? And they're gone. And listen to his words. Neither do I go and sin no more. He's asking, didn't even one of them stand here with the rock to throw at you? No, Lord, not one. Then neither do I. And he does that for us. He does that for us. He, he drops it. He took it on the cross. He took, he took the stones. He paid the price. He did it all for us already. On your handout, there is a question there, I think, that says, what touches your heart or impacts your heart the most on this? And I, you're not going to share this with anybody. I just want you to, um, maybe it doesn't say that. I thought it said that. So just close your eyes for a second or jot down in one of the note spaces there. Um, what is it about that story that touches your heart the most? I'm just going to pause for a second here.
who are we? Who are we to hold on to unforgiveness of ourselves when Jesus himself said there's no condemnation for us? Are we more grand than Jesus that we think we should be able to hold on to things that he has told us, that he has already paid the price? He gave his life so that we could release those things and yet we're still holding on to them? Who are we to do that to him? It isn't our right. We can't do that anymore and we can't be effective for the kingdom until we let them go. We drop them. Just like on Monday when we had those beautiful words up here. We had all those words from Psalm 139 up here. Those are the things that when we drop our stones, we go from unworthy to worthy. We go around from carrying our unforgiveness or our for to forgiveness and freedom in that. We go from letting go of those lies to hearing the truth. Today I'm kind of trying to bring it full circle back to Monday because this unforgiveness of others and of ourselves today are things that hold us back. And Monday we started speaking about if we don't know what our identity is in Christ, if we aren't holding on to that and those truths, then we can't be effective for him. And that's the same thing with the unforgiveness because that is the lies that Satan is telling us. I'm going to have Todd come up here for a minute. And I just, we have a backpack. And I want us to think about the lies. You can get some lies from them as you're putting these in. We have lots of stones here. I want you to think of the lies. We're going to just do a review here. What are the lies that we think about ourselves that people are saying that we tell ourselves? So just start shouting them out. Shout them hard, loud enough so we can hear you. Unworthy. And so we carry around the backpack of unworthiness. What's another one? I can't. Oh my goodness, I can't. Nobody likes me. Oh, I'm a fake. What's some other ones? I have room for four more. <laughs> so rattle them off. What are some what are some lies we believe? Not enough. Oh, I'm not enough. I'm a failure. Two more. Yeah. Two more. What's some other lies we believe? Oh, that's a good one. It's all my fault. That was a big one. <laughs> it's never going to change. Thank you. I didn't know we had anybody over there. And we put these things, and we start carrying them around. And a lot of times we're saying, oh, God, I am free to be used by you. Do with me whatever you would have me do. 
and yet we're carrying these things around. And as we start going about our day and we're, we're doing for God, it gets much more tiring. It gets exhausting because as I'm trying to reach out or minister to somebody, I still have these voices in my head that are telling me the lie. I'm going to do this with someone else and, and lift them up. And in the back of my head, I'm like, who are you, Misty? You are not worthy to be telling them anything. Misty, why is your story relevant? That, that is such a stupid story. Why would you think you can be used by anybody for that? And so you shouldn't even share any of that with somebody. And so I can't be as effective when I'm carrying around these lies. They get heavy. They weight us down. We have to be able to be free of these things. And the only way to do that is by asking God to do that and to believe the truths, the truths that are in here, the truths that we wrote down the other day. And I need the truths right quickly because this backpack is heavy hurry <laughs> the truths what are some of the truths we can believe what were some of the things that psalm 139 told us that we are that we are made what we are made precious and marvelous we should do this faster because these are truths of god we are we are worthy the truth sets us free and the truth is who Jesus is the truth. We are blessed. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We are chosen. What did you say? God forgives us. Yes. We are accepted. Oh, man, thank you. We can take the whole thing off, and we can be free. And now I am I'm able, right? I am free when I'm speaking to Dee Dee about something and, I'm, and she's sharing her story with me. I'm able to have a good conversation, a God-filled conversation, a conversation where I'm not doubting that what I'm saying is going to be used by God because I've let that stuff go. And it is not something that's easy to let go. I wish it was this easy. I wish it was like having somebody boom, 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 boom. Most of the time, it doesn't happen like that. Most of the time it's like, oh, I'm stuck in the unworthy again. And we have to pray through it and walk through that process again. God, take it again because Satan is trying to put that back in me and I don't want it. But what can happen is the backpack can get less in it and maybe when the unworthy goes in and I can come up with no I am worthy and I can pull it out much quicker that time because I haven't let all of this build up we need to let go of those things I'm going to rattle off a few scriptures here and these are truth filling scripture if you want to close your eyes and listen to them then go for it I just want to speak these truths over you because we are filled in this place. We have so many of us are walking around with those things that God doesn't want us carrying. We are good enough. He does want to use us. His truth in 1 John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. We are his children 
We are his princes, his princesses. Because he is royalty, he is the king, we are his. In Galatians, it says, For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Are we walking around as if we're sons and daughters of the living king? Most of the time we aren't. Come on, this is truth. Let's wake up and walk around like the people God created us to be. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Again, he is telling us, you are my child. You are my child. You are treasured. I love you. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are my sons and daughters. First Peter, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are his. When we say, Jesus, I want to be your follower, come into my heart, forgive me for my sins, we are his. He has got us. Then empty the backpack. Let it go. Drop the stones. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, God, has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what we're talking about this week. He has created us. We are his workmanship, and he has called us for his purposes, for his purposes in the everyday moments. We can serve him so much more fully when that backpack is empty. In Psalm 139, for you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Again, to grab onto those words he fearfully and wonderfully made each one of us. And then we, we mentioned earlier this week, I just love how it says, your works are wonderful. We can say that his work is wonderful because he resides in me. He has a purpose and a plan for me. How precious are your thoughts, O oh God. The sum is so vast. Remember when, when we were saying, like, his thoughts about us, his thoughts are precious, they're wonderful. When he is looking at each one of us, he is like, oh my goodness, the thoughts I have about you, the thoughts I have about you, they, they number even higher than what you humans know how to count. That's how many precious thoughts he has. Like, we're trying to list off the thoughts positive thoughts there's way more than we can even imagine we don't even have words for all of them because that's the kind of god we serve he created us wonderfully complex marvelous and he says yes my work is good look at her i love the work i did with her look at him 
That work is incredible. That's what he believes for us. And yet we have such a hard time believing that for ourselves, don't we? Keep going back to the truth, the truth in those scriptures, the truth. I want you to, I think I do have this question on there, yep. Um, Think about your backpack. Is there anything that you are holding back from God? Is there anything that you need to let go today before I close up with a final point? Um, Just close your eyes for a minute or write for a minute. Heavenly Father, I just would ask that with this group of people here this morning, I know there are deep pains, there are things that we are carrying around that you don't want us carrying. You want us giving them to you. They are weighing us down. Some of them are big stones and some of them are small pebbles. Some of them are a lot of small pebbles that are bigger than some big boulders. Lord, we just ask that right now that you would just um, come down upon each one of us and point out what some of those things are that we need to get rid of. Do that right now, Lord, with these people right here as they align their hearts to yours and and listen to what you have for them right now. Amen. Just going to be silent for a minute. It's going to seem like a long time, but I'm going to be silent for a minute and let you and God wrestle with something. When I found out I was pregnant um, in that dorm room that day, my dad, my Todd and I um, trying to put together a plan on how this was going to go down, telling our parents. And so we decided to call my mom first. And she came to my dorm room, and I still remember sitting in my dorm room, and I think she was between Todd and I, and we were sitting on the my bed, a bunk bed, and I remember telling her that day, and I was so scared, so scared. Todd was holding on to my hand, and we were just sharing this with her, and my mom's pretty awesome. She's sitting back there today, um, and as we talked, and as we hugged, and as we cried, she um, told me, and kind of we made a plan, and her and dad were getting ready to go 
on a vacation. So this wasn't the greatest timing for me to send them off on their vacation together. <laughs> and she said, um, I'm going to wait and tell Dad when we get back from vacation um, and we get a doctor's appointment set up for you and things like that. And so that's what we decided on. And so the three of us were the only ones that knew for a little while. And I remember on her vacation, her even calling and checking in. Um, that was before cell phones. And um, the week she must have had had to have been so challenging, um, difficult. When she returned, we made an arrangement for me to come home from college and to be there when we told my dad. And so we set up this particular uh, day for me to come home and talked it over and I was like, um, could you please tell him? Could you please tell him? And we decided that she would tell him and then we would all talk as a group. And so I remember um, my bedroom, they had taken in foster kids and so at the time my bed was my bedroom was taken up by a foster sister that was there, and so when I came home from college this time, I was on the couch. And I remember laying on the couch, not getting much sleep that night, and early in the morning, and the sun's making its way through the curtains, and I'm listening to the silence throughout the house. I could hear my mom and dad get up that morning and make their way. I squinted my eyes open a little bit, just pretending I was asleep still and watched him walk across the living room and into the kitchen. And I could hear the normal chatter going on between the two of them and dad's coffee pot um, going in and out as he prepared the coffee and they could picture him in my mind sitting down at the table there. And all that was going through my mind was my dad's heart's about to break because his little girl that he thought had it all together really didn't have it all together. That was what I was thinking was happening. So I could hear them talking and then all of a sudden it went to a hushed sound and I knew at that point that they were both sitting across from each other and my mom was telling my dad and I was just laying there with my eyes squinted on the couch. Dear Lord, just please let me disappear. Please take this shame from my family. Please take the shame from me that I have caused you, God. And then I started hearing some footsteps that I'd come to know as my dad's making his way, getting closer and closer to me. I was like, there's no hiding now. <laughs> He's in the room. I need to open my eyes. And I opened my eyes, and my dad walked down onto the couch as I sat up, and he had a box of Kleenex in his hand. And he just sat down next to me, and he took me in his arms, and he said, Mom said we might need these. And I have no clue what the words were 
that we spoke after that. It was just a daddy and his daughter in each other's arms, not really knowing what was ahead, but just um, enjoying that moment with my daddy and seeing that that broken heart that I had thought and all those things that I had been telling myself that he was still there and he was taking me in. That day, God spoke to me very clearly through the actions of my dad. And I think um, because of the story I shared with you yesterday about my biological dad, I think the this actions of my dad, the one here, um, spoke so loudly to pieces of me that I, I needed because of that other situation. My dad's response reminded me that I had a heavenly father who forgave me, who was willing to take me in his arms. My dad's response reminded me that I had an earthly father who forgave me and was willing to take me in his arms. And my dad's response reminded me that it was time that I forgive myself and that I would allow God to use me still for his purposes. And it took a while to get there. It did. Sometimes it doesn't come overnight. But when it does happen, there's such freedom. There's freedom because it's a beautiful gift from God that he desires to, for us to hold on to. There's freedom when we release the lies, there's freedom when we release the unforgiveness. And through that freedom, we have the ability then to really love God in the way that he calls us to do, to really love others in the ways that he calls us to. When we have that freedom, it allows us to really grasp and hear with clarity the purposes that he has for each one of us within the everyday moments of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you offer us. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you because you went to the cross for us. Lord, if there is anyone here who does not know you as their Savior, Oh, I would ask that you would prompt them right now, Lord, that, that they would come to just surrender their life to you and say, yes, yes, Lord, I am yours. We thank you that we can do that. Lord, we ask that you would just um, empower us um, the rest of this day, the rest of this time we have together to soak in Bayshore Camp. And then as we head out tonight or tomorrow into the real world again, that we would see with clarity, that we would leave our stones here, Father. We would leave them here, whatever they are, that we would walk off this campground free and ready to serve you in whatever ways you are calling us to do. We love you, Lord, for using 
people like us for your purposes. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.